This is your preparation station, encouraging hosts and empowering topics to equip you along the journey. Preparedness grounded in truth. Now on with the show. Your preparation station with Donna Miller is on the air. Tune in for insight and encouragement for living a more sustainable, back-to-basics lifestyle. No matter where you've come from or what the future may hold, we hope each episode will encourage you with topics, guests and stories that inspire your journey towards self-sufficiency. And now, the hostess of your preparation station, Donna Miller. Welcome again to a new episode of Your Preparation Station. I'm your host, Donna Miller. I'm excited to be with you again today. Just really glad to be back doing the podcast. I've missed this. Um, And for those of you who are brand new, we do have some in the archives that you can listen to as well. And then we've also, of course, got a new one coming out every week. We're down to a 30-minute broadcast because we're finding that people usually have that amount of time. So we're going to try to cram a lot in this one because there's a lot to learn from our guest. I'm really excited today to have Chris Smith with with us again. Um, I think we did a show a few years ago, and we have done some um, online training also for Prepare Magazine members. Um, If you're a member, check that out in your membership. Um, If you're not, send me a little message and I'll show you how to become one because Chris did a a great uh, series on seed saving that you get the audio visual. This time you just get the audio and you got some great visual um, tutorial things in that as well. But Chris comes to us from a green thumb British family, but he's lived here in the southeast part of the U.S. since 2012. He's a gardener. um, He's a garden writer for local and national publications, uh, and he's working on a book right now that's entitled In Defense of Okra, which is due to be published out next year by Chelsea Green. And he's a student of permaculture. He's a seed saver, or as he likes to put it, he's a seed hoarder. (laughs) And he's a homesteader who is committed to the sustainable food system that we used to enjoy as um, a country and as a people, but now, um, you know, we need to relearn those skills. So let's make sure I've got you on the line, Chris. Do I have you there? I'm here, Donna. Okay, good. <laughs> well, I'm glad to have you back on the show. Um, we've had the opportunity to, to meet in per- person. Uh, Chris did some great presentations for our local preparedness group. Um, I know got a lot of people really excited that they can seed save and they understand it far better now. Chris is a great instructor. Um, you've been busy. You've your you know, your homestead is growing. Your daughter is growing. Your <laughs> your uh, consulting is growing, and now you're writing a book. So you've been extremely busy. Yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. It feels like the the longer I spend in Asheville, the the more of the the pretty awesome community I connect with, and you know, the more there is to learn, and and the more there is to teach. So mm-hmm. it's, it's good mm-hmm. to stay busy. It is, it is, and I know you're you have a passion for helping people understand the sustainability of the food system. Um, we we've gotten so far away from that as a culture uh, that. It is almost like relearning riding a bicycle. We should all still know how to do it, but we just don't. Um, do you find a lot of people are shocked that this is even an option to save the seeds and plant again next year? It's, 
Yeah, I, I would say that they're shocked because it's something that they've just never even thought about. Uh, a, lo- a lot of the talk around sustainable food and resilient systems is all about growing food. And, and we like to say that it's all well and good to be able to grow your own food, and it's a skill I would en- encourage and teach. But, you know, you can be the best gardener in the world, and if you don't know how to save your own seeds, then, you know, your own little resilient food system is going to come crashing down pretty quickly if uh, that mm-hmm. seed supply ceases to exist. A beautiful garden for one year does not truly sustain you. It's just one year, one season. Precisely. Like traditional gardening and traditional agriculture uh, is thought of in very linear te- terms, uh, like spring is the start and fall is the finish, and maybe we can save some th- food through winter, but that's kind of the end of it. But sustainable gardening needs to mimic those natural cycles where it's a, a cyclical nature and it, it never really ends. And so we, we start saving seeds and storing them through the winter so that we can start again with the same seeds. And, and that's resilient and that's sustainable. Mm-hmm. I, I know in the preparedness mindset, a lot of people, you know, they'll consider <laughs> be on guard or prepare by other means but the truth is if you can't prepare with a sustainable food system all your other means don't work yeah yeah i totally agree with that and i i think there's a lot of uh we can create those systems now that can be sustainable and resilient and robust to uh, (laughs) whatever change may come and and that's the critical difference is is we need to be thinking right now you can't store seeds now and expect to be able to grow and save them like an expert when you need to. You need to start becoming an expert uh, and practicing this right now. So, yeah, start a garden, start saving just some basic stuff. It's it's really easy to start. It's really fun, and and you'll start setting up these systems before you even need them. Mm -hmm. A benefit now, even though it's not a life-or-death situation, it is a benefit both for your your budget, your, uh, your health, your skill level, it's a benefit to to practice these things and become proficient uh, at seed saving and preparing for the future. Yeah, you know, just gr- growing your own food is it's empowering and it's healthy. It's good for the environment. It's good for the soil. There's really uh, no. We, we used to do this. You know, this was the way we sustained ourselves, and we didn't do it because of any impending threat. We did it because it made a lot of sense. And mm-hmm. So I think we're whatever the future holds, returning to that uh, system and, and relearning those heritage skills is is just a good thing to do. It still makes a lot of good sense. You're exactly right. Well, the biggest question, and I've heard it a hundred times, I know you've probably heard it a million times, is you know the, the question about the differences because labels on things can be confusing. Um, the difference on the seeds, um, what are the differences between heirloom seeds open pollinated seeds and hybrid seeds yeah that's that's definitely the the big one that we get confusion with i think there's a lot of messaging out there or or branding of seeds that says you've got to have heirloom seeds you've got to have heirloom seeds so we get people coming to so true seed all the time saying uh, i've got to have heirloom and when we just question a little bit more and, and the main question is do you want heirloom seeds because you're aiming to save your own seeds if the answer is yes to that, then you don't really need heirloom seeds. What you need is open pollinated seeds. So mm-hmm. open pollinated seeds is quite a broad range of seeds that allows you to save the seed 
year on year and what you are saving will grow true to type. So a clear example would be something like the Cherokee Purple Tomato. It's a, it's a really good tomato. It's got quite a stable genetic base within that variety. And I can grow a Cherokee Purple Tomato. I can save the seed and plant it next year and know that my crop is going to be a Cherokee Purple Tomato. And that's, that's mm-hmm. a really critical thing for a resilient system because there may be some traits that you really want, like the storability of a butternut squash is critical if you're relying on that butternut squash to store for nine months through your winter um, eating schedule. And so if you don't have something that will grow, we say true to type, if it won't continue to carry those characteristics reliably through forward, then mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of there's a threat and threat to your food system at that point because maybe that squash will only store for three months and you needed to be eating it in April. And, and that <laughs> definitely is going to cause a problem. So mm-hmm. definitely don't hone in on heirloom. Heirloom seeds are just really old open pollinated varieties. So that should sort of open your mind a little bit when you're searching for seeds. Definitely hunt out those open pollinated varieties. That makes a lot of sense. Actually, I've never, um, I've never really thought of it that way. Heirloom is like a heirloom piece of furniture. It's, it's an older, uh, it's a longer running history. Um, but open pollinated is, it may not be heirloom, but it still will suffice because it will seed save perfectly fine. Yeah. So I think of open pollinated as it is this big umbrella term for all seeds that you can save the seed from, and they will grow true to type. And heirlooms are our subcategory of open pollinated, so just older mm-hmm. open pollinated varieties. So, but but okay. some heirlooms are like awesome. Like, and there's great reasons to seek out heirlooms. Some of mm-hmm. them have great taste, and they were developed for nutrition, or they've got a cool story, or they're my like grandmother's grandmother's seed. Or, or there's lots <laughs> of awesome things about heirlooms. But don't limit yourself to heirlooms. There's some fantastic seed breeders that are working with open pollinated varieties to breed for disease resistance and increased yield. And you can take advantage of those things and still save those characteristics going forward. So open pollinated mm-hmm. is definitely a, a good thing to consider. So and take, conversely, compared yeah. to a hybrid, what is the difference then? So the hybrids are seeds that have been specifically developed by seed companies, usually rather large seed companies because it takes quite a lot of time to develop a hybrid. And effectively what they've done is create two very pure parent lines and done an intentional cross. And this is all natural. There's nothing like weird sciencey about hybrids that definitely got a place in current agriculture that's not a bad thing. But in terms of seed saving and your own personal sustainability, what happens with hybrids is we're buying the first generation from the cross of those two pure parents. And that okay. first generation gives us a very uniform crop and it gives us very predictable characteristics. But then when we save the seeds from those first generation plants that we've grown, in that second planting, you're going to experience like a reversion to a multitude of parental traits. So Got it. basically we're going to lose that predictability in our food supply. Okay, uh, that makes sense. Breeder, that can be really exciting. You like you create all this diversity and you've got lots of strange things going on and you might get 
weird short tomatoes and tall crazy tomatoes and some of it might be good and lots of it might be terrible so it can be exciting if you want to get into seed breeding but as a basic intro to seed saving you definitely don't want to be playing with hybrids because you're not going to get that predictability be very frustrating if you it would be yeah yeah, it would, it, be very it would be frustrating as a beginner, and it would be terrible as a uh, if we're preparing for some level <laughs> of collapse in the food system where we have to rely on it ourselves. Like you, mm-hmm. you wouldn't want to be playing with hybrids at that point. Exactly, exactly. Well, so why is it that seed saving is important for the resilience of the food systems? We kind of touched on this a little bit already, but really nobody gives seeds the credit that they're due. You can buy one seed and plant it. And even if it's a big seed, like a bean seed, that one seed is going to produce a lot of bean plants that will have tons of pods on it. And each of those pods will be filled with seeds. So for your investment of one seed, you can get hundreds of seeds in return. And those hundreds of seeds can sometimes be eaten like a bean seed, and then a proportion of them can be saved so that you can continue your garden cycle year on year on year. But Mm -hmm. then it also creates a surplus. So this is the perfect kind of gift economy idea where every time we save seeds, we're creating this huge surplus, and that surplus can be traded, um, saved, and or eaten. So you just got this Mm -hmm. really, really robust system all based on seeds. So you're not cutting into your harvest, but a, a tiny, tiny percentage to actually save back the seeds that you that you grew from. Yeah, it, it kind of depends on the seed to some degree, but you don't, like, most plants will produce an incredible amount of seeds, and you may only need to save 50 seeds for your future planning, and then maybe a small percentage for, uh, you know, just to be careful. And mm-hmm. your plants are definitely going to produce more than you need. So it's not one mm-hmm. in, one out. It's one in, hundreds out, and maybe save 10% of that, and you can do whatever you want with the rest. But then there's also, there's also some crops, like squash is a good example, uh, a winter squash, that you can save the seeds from the squash and still eat all of the squash so mm-hmm. you're getting this double yield, there's really no excuse not to be saving the squash seeds because you don't, well, you could eat the squash seeds, but uh, you could be <laughs> saving those squash seeds for future planting and trading and some eating or pressing for oil. But the main crop, the primary crop, is the flesh of the squash. And mm-hmm. you can eat all of that because the the squash is ready to eat at the same time that the seeds are mature. That's not true of all seeds, but there's some things where you can have your cake and eat it. That's that's a good point. That's a very good point. Uh, I know uh, that had been a question I've been asked before. Well, don't you end up saving, you know, losing part of your harvest just because of saving the seeds? Uh, not no, not much, yeah. hardly at all. Not I mean, and, and not always. Yeah. Yeah. If we were to take, take another example, let's say um, cucumbers. Uh, cucumbers are an example that when we want to eat the cucumber when it's nice and young and tender the seeds aren't yet mature. So you couldn't save the seeds from a normal eating cucumber. So Mm -hmm. that might lead you to think, oh my God, so I've got to grow like a whole cucumber plant just to save seeds and waste all those cucumbers. But really you only need to save one or two cucumbers to get enough seeds from them and you can eat the rest. So you only Mm -hmm. need to let 
one, two, three cucumbers across all your cucumber plants to go big and gnarly and inedible to get a seed crop. But the rest of the plants and all the other cucumbers that are produced, you can eat. So it, it's definitely not an either or. You can you can do both quite successfully. Mm-hmm. Now I have I do have a question. I'm going to have to probably ask it after the break. Probably. Um, <laughs> One of those, uh, and this is out of my ignorance, but um, we're going to come back and I'm going to ask Chris, because he works with So True Seed, which is here in the Asheville area. Um, I'm going to ask a question that I'm often asked when I talk about go to So True Seed to find your seeds. So we'll be right back after this break and ask Chris uh, this lingering question that I've not been able to answer. I would be happy to help. <laughs> Thanks. Do you have your free digital subscription to Prepare Magazine yet? If not, then hurry over to preparemag.com and start getting each monthly issue sent directly to your inbox. It's easy. All you have to do is go to preparemag.com, enter your name and email address, and you're subscribed. Consider signing up for the premium membership for past issues and exclusive resources. You can even subscribe to the beautiful print version of Prepare Magazine. Visit preparemag.com and choose the option that's most valuable to you. Prepare Magazine. Encouraging, empowering, and enriching your journey. Are you looking to have ducks, geese, chickens? Boy, do we have something to share with you. Stop by ranch-coop.com. These folks build some of the most beautiful handcrafted coops for small areas as well as the farm. They are so easy to put together. It took us less than an hour and they're shipped right to your door. Stop by ranch-coop.com. Wonderful people to deal with. Beautiful coops that you can use for backyard and homestead fowl. Ranch-coop.com. National Geographic traveled all the way to Boone, North Carolina to select Turtle Island Preserve, a nonprofit outdoor discovery center and Appalachian Heritage Farm as one of the 100 most enriching destinations in North America. For over 26 years, families have gained enrichment while discovering nature and more importantly, themselves. In a world where digital screens and push buttons have replaced actual contact with nature, Turtle Island's beautiful campus and knowledgeable staff reconnect its guests to their natural roots. While camping out, visitors learn vast amounts in our non-electric, wood-fired community. Hundreds of hands-on classes are offered, such as beekeeping, woodworking, primitive skills, and more, covering the gamut of early traditional living. A program for fathers and sons kicks off the summer season, followed by a five-day workshop for adults with renowned naturalist and director Eustace Conway. Turtle Island is a great destination for scouts, school field trips, homeschool, and special interest groups. Please visit our website and then visit our paradise, turtleislandpreserve.org, or call 828-265-2267. Your preparation station is on the air. Welcome back. We're here with my guest, Chris Smith with So True Seed. Uh, Chris also does some um, consulting to help people put in the sustainable garden for themselves. And, and obviously, he's quite the teacher. He's taught in several different areas. And um, he's written um, a main column for Prepare Magazine now for a little over a year and if you haven't gotten all those issues you could pretty pretty much save them back and have uh, about a dozen plants now you should know how to save the seeds for because Chris taught you how 
But here's a question, Chris, that I get asked because I refer people to Sow True Seed like all the time, but I'm not always talking to someone in our region. Can you purchase open pollinated seeds from someplace in Asheville, Sow True Seed to be precise, and plant them in Maine or plant them in Texas or California? That, that is a good question. Um, so what you tend to find with seeds is they have various levels of diversity within their population. And the more you save those seeds in one given area, the more they kind of become adapted to that given area. So okay. it would be true that seeds that are, are saved and grown in an area for a long time will develop like a preference for that area. However, they don't necessarily lose all those genetics and you tend to find that open pollinated varieties do pretty well in most of the places so we we have a customer base that's like nationwide and Mm -hmm. people tend to do pretty well all over with our seeds so I, i would say it shouldn't be a limiting factor but one thing that does happen is you could if there's a variety that you really like that you can only get from the West Coast or whatever, then go ahead and get that variety, but then make sure you start saving that seed in your area. And then that, that seed will start, you'll probably see an improvement for that seed in your area over time. Okay, so don't give up. If, if you get a seed from outside of your area, an open pollinated seed from outside your area, don't give up the first year just because it didn't yield what you expected. Save those seeds because that next generation is probably more adapted to your area then. Is that safe to yeah, say? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I would give a preference to locality, but I wouldn't use it as a total limiting factor. Um, okay. That, that would be true. And, and the, other, the other interesting thing is knowing the conditions within which those seeds were saved, and, and this is one thing that's also interesting with, with hybrids and, and organic seeds, um, so if, if the seed is organic, that means it's being grown organically, and that may or not mean anything to you, but if a seed is conventional, then it's being grown conventionally, which basically means it's being grown with high externalized inputs. So it performs well with those inputs, and this is true mm. of a lot of hybrids. In our gardens and homesteads, then often we're trying to move away from high externalized inputs like, you know, um, petrochemical-based fertilizers and that sort of stuff. We may be using compost and manures and and cover cropping and those sort of tricks. So if you were using an organic seed in our garden, then we know that that seed is being grown organically, which means that seed probably has a preference for those conditions, like it does well in those conditions. And that's another reason people like heirlooms, because heirlooms were originally created in a time before all of these high externalized inputs so they Mm. they have a breeding preference for the homestead uh, type environment that makes sense that actually makes sense because it can be so confusing but that's good (laughs) yeah and i would actually like just take a moment to kind of step back we're talking you know we're bouncing around what is a huge world and you you kind of said this in your introduction that we've only got 30 minutes to talk about seed saving (laughs) and this is like a, a phd subject and an encyclopedia book subject there's, there's a ton of information here so so don't feel overwhelmed by this topic topic it can be reduced to some very simple steps 
we have a lot of seed saving resources in our seed catalog and on our website and there's some really great books that we can recommend that um can get you into this and it doesn't have to be a big and crazy subject we're kind of talking about it without talking how to do it which is fine because we never cover it all in 30 minutes but just so you're <laughs> yeah. one, don't be don't be scared of yeah and that's explain to everyone listening how so true fits into the picture because you just referred to we have these available to you we have these available to you. it's not just solely hey we sell these seeds you guys do a lot of training yeah a lot so the way so true seed started was like a recognition that within the sustainable food system there wasn't much attention being given to seeds so and that's even in Asheville which is a very you know progressive foodie type place mm-hmm. so so true seed was set up about nine years ago to try and develop a, a local network of seed growers to be able to provide and, and protect regional heirlooms and new open pollinated varieties so we have a, this very like esoteric type mission behind us all where we're trying to get people to really think about truly sustainable systems. And as a part of that, then we, we offer a lot of education. We do a lot of seed-saving workshops and growing workshops. We're really, we want more people to grow their own food and save their own seed. And that's reflected mm-hmm. in almost everything we do from attending events and giving workshops to having seed saver notes and guarding notes in our catalog. Our, our catalog itself, which is a free thing to get, it has so much information in it to help you be sustainable and self-reliant. It's, it's really incredible. It does. It's, it's not, and if no one has ever filled out the form to get the catalog or gone by and picked one up, um, having one in your hand just by itself is quite educational. Um, you you can glean so much just from looking through at what types of seed you want on how you actually should use them and the best way to approach uh, a good harvest and seed saving from them. It's not just, you know, pictures of packets and cute little names. It's <laughs> it's, an, it's an educational catalog. Yeah, yeah, we really aim for it to be, and, and our website has has a lot of that educational material. And, but, or just, you know, come to the store, and there'll always be someone willing to talk to you about gardening and, and seed saving. It's mm-hmm. it's very important to us as employees. It's very important to our owner. It's it's really what the company was, was built on, uh, is mm-hmm. to get more people participating in this lost skill. Well, I know somebody might be listening to to our show as we talk right now, and they may not be in front of the show page to click through the link to connect with So True Seed. Um, and you're wondering, what are you saying? What do you keep saying? I want to spell it out for you so you don't go somewhere else. It's so, S-O-W, true, T-R-U-E, seed, singular, S-E-E-D dot com. So True Seed, because that's what they want you to do. So yep. true seed, exactly. Um, hopefully that will stick in your head as you drive home or as you're hearing this on a walk or whatever, and then you can you know, key it in and, and look it up and connect with So True Seed. And, and I'm sure you'll be able to find Chris in there doing all the wonderful things that he does as well. Um, just on a basis, because you, you, you said it very eloquently, we're not going to be able to do everything in a 30-minute show. We're kind of hopefully... Um, debunking some myths that it's difficult and hopefully just kind of giving a nice broad spectrum for the listener who who is now 
fully encouraged and enthused to go out and begin their seed saving journey, which that's what we hope will happen, where should they start? What do they do? Okay, so I would, we're going to assume that you're, you're already growing some food, and if you're not, you should start growing some food. Um, and usually, most gardens will involve people either growing tomatoes, beans, or lettuce. And they're three great starting points for doing your own food. Once you get into kind of like the botany of seed saving, which is actually pretty fascinating and makes you a better gardener, you'll realize that not all flowers are the same, and some flowers are able to pollinate themselves, so they don't require an external pollinator like a bee to bring pollen from a different flower to your flower to fertilize it to enable it to produce fruit. Some, some flowers can do that all themselves, and we call those flowers perfect flowers. And tomatoes, beans, and lettuce all have perfect flowers. The great thing with perfect flowers is that they're much less likely to be cross-pollinated by something else, because as seed savers, what we really want to do is carry that Cherokee purple as a pure variety from year to year to year. If pollen from another variety of the same species, another tomato, so if a, you know, an Amish paste pollen gets into my Cherokee purple flower, then I'm going to create uh, a seed that's not going to grow true to type. It's not going to be a Cherokee purple year on year on year. So we're talking about this bean, tomato, and lettuce as being flowers that are very unlikely to pick up pollen from somewhere else. So you can do this in a home scale, and as long as you give like 10 or 20 feet between your Cherokee purple tomato and your Amish paste tomato, there's really little to no chance that there's going to be any cross-pollination. So your job as a seed saver becomes really easy because all you need to do is grow that plant let the fruit go all the way through to maturity. So that means for a tomato, it's mature when we eat it, which makes it super easy. Beans, it's mature when it goes brown on the vine. And lettuce is the one that might surprise you. You have to let the lettuce bolt. So when it starts going to flower, don't give up on the lettuce. And the leaves will taste bitter at this point, but just leave a plant or two to go to flower. It's actually really pretty. They have these little yellow flowers and then create like tufts of white mm -hmm. seeds, a little bit like dandelions, not, not identical, but close. And they're, they're going to be the seeds, so you have to let them go all the way through to that stage. It's pretty interesting to watch them. And then at that point, your, dr your dried beans are saved seeds. Your little white tufts on the lettuce are saved seeds. And when you chop open your tomato to eat it, just make sure you scoop out some of the seeds on the inside, and they're saved seeds. So it's really that easy to save seeds from those varieties. Um, so yeah, go for it. So this season, when you start to plan what you're going to be planting, first you need to check out Sow True Seed's catalog so you can figure out how to do it. <laughs> Get Sow True Seed catalog and uh, pick three of those things. Pick up a, a tomato and a bean and a lettuce and give it a go this year. And you'll probably be very pleased with yourself that next year you can do it again straight from what you've saved. So that's a that's the, a great starting point. The feature article in the in the coming print your your magazine mm -hmm. is seed to seed for tomatoes. So it talks you through uh, planting tomato seeds, which is coming up. You want to be doing that around about March and April, taking mm -hmm. all the way through the growing of it and making sure there's no cross pollination and saving the seeds at the end of the season, so that it'll give you the whole picture on tomatoes. And everyone loves growing tomatoes. Yes, <laughs> it's it's. 
it's one of those things that once you kind of get that bug, that's usually one of the first things that people, you know, people can say, I actually grew that. Even, you know, absolute beginner year for a gardener, um, that's usually one of those things. And you can perpetuate it and help to build a more sustainable food system your very first time out, as long as you get uh, an open pollinated tomato and save the seeds. Well, Chris, we've really touched on an awful lot with, with what's going on at So True Seed and trying to help people learn to be more sustainable from year to year because that is what sustainable is. It's not just having enough and it eventually disappears, but it's having enough and being able to sustain that for the next year and the years to come. Um, do you have any closing remarks with, if this is, uh, like I said, before we've talked on on this before there's a lot of info for this and i think you've helped to hit the high points so someone can feel very encouraged and empowered to at least get started um is there a place they should kind of be wary of diving in too far too fast uh when it comes to this or what would you suggest I would say throw caution to the wind. It, it, you know, if it if it goes wrong, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to create a crazy squash, and <laughs> it, it's it's okay. We're at a point where if you start right now and just start playing and experimenting and enjoying it, then it, it's there's nothing nothing terrible is going to happen. You may not, you you you're going to make mistakes, but this is gardening, and it's why we encourage people to start last year because. You learn something every year, and every year your garden gets better, and you just pick up those skills and, and get a taste for it, and you'll realize that the food is better and the nutrition is better, and you start saving your own seeds and saving money and becoming empowered and resilient, and it's it's a journey. Mm-hmm. Like you should just start on straight away. I love that point. Just throw caution to the wind and do it, Yeah, because yeah, you're completely right. I mean, there have been gardens that, that uh, you're never going to get it perfect, something is going to be uh, you're dealing with nature there's going to be something that just kind of throws it off whether it's a deer or a windstorm <laughs> and you have no control over either of those um Precisely. you're gonna have I, to I learn how to do it and you, one thing. <laughs> you learn by mistakes right isn't that how we learn most of the time is you make a mistake and go oh i need to change that Definitely, no. definitely, and and really, those mistakes in the garden are very, you know, low risk mistakes. So just go exactly. for it. The bigger mistake is to not try anything and think you can do it un- under duress when you you're starving and need to eat. This is the time to do it. Precisely, that would that would that's my biggest message um, is, mm-hmm. is don't 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 wait until you need it. Start start practicing now. Exactly. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show again, and hopefully, when you get ready to release the book and it gets published we'll have you back and you can tell us about um your newest book coming out for sure yeah there's a lot a lot i could talk about when it comes to okra so i'll fascinate you all <laughs> sounds great we do a whole okay. show on okra sounds good thank you so much chris we'll talk to you again Bye-bye. real soon bye-bye bye-bye thank you for staying for another episode of your preparation station tune in again soon and we hope to encourage you along your journey This has been another episode of your preparation station with Donna Miller. We would love to hear from you. Please connect with us at yourpreparationstation.com and on Facebook. Tune in again next time for another encouraging episode. Until then, keep growing and finding joy in the journey. 
Tune in again soon. This is your preparation station. Speaking hope, not hype, and facts, not fear. Preparedness grounded in truth.